Hey you, welcome to Tea Talk, a space to share the therapy tea. I'm Shailene, your host, and I hope you'll join me each week as we sit down to share tips, stories, and conversations on getting better emotionally, recovering from trauma, and improving your overall quality of life. I want to remind everyone that even though podcasts can feel therapeutic, they are definitely not a replacement for therapy. Please, at any point, if you feel the need to take a break because the content is too heavy, please do that and take care of yourself. Also, if you're loving this podcast, please do me a favor and leave me a review, share your reflections with me on Instagram and share it with a friend who needs to hear it. All right. So I'm ready. You're ready. And we're friends now. So go ahead and sit down, cozy up and let's get ready for today's episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Tea Talk, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, even though I don't think anybody actually tunes in anymore. That's like not a thing, but you're here and you're listening. And I'm grateful because today I am here with my friend, Ashley. Ashley is from North Carolina. Yeah. Glad I got that right now that we're recording. Hello, Shailene. Check these things out before. And Ashley and I met on a therapist retreat in Spain and I'm just super excited for you to be here. So welcome to Tea Talk. Oh, thank you for having me. Also, this is Ashley's first podcast, everyone. So she's using a lot of opposite action skills because she is a little nervous as one would be, but I told her that she is like in really good hands. Anywho, Ashley, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So my name's Ashley. I am a paramedic in Wilmington, North Carolina. And I'm actually wrapping up my graduate school um, to become a licensed clinical social worker um, so that I can ideally work with the first responder community, but also those dealing with trauma and grief. Um, yeah, I, it's something we see all the time. And, and over the past few years, especially with COVID-19, found that first responders have even less resources than I think the community knows. Um, and we also are taught or conditioned to tough it out and not take care of ourselves. So I'm focusing on helping my, my people. Yeah. You're trying to undo that message and really like be the change directly for the people that you are in it with. So Ashley's a paramedic and yeah, I thought it was really cool that you were on the retreat, even though you are a therapist in training, like you were just getting started with your internship and all. And the thing that stood out was being just super passionate about wanting to help first responders. And, and you know, it's one of those things where until you get a little insight into somebody else's world, you just don't think about it that often, you don't think about it that much. And so not being in touch with first responders myself, I don't think about the trauma that y'all face day to day and how heavy that weighs on you. And it wasn't until, you know, I was in your company and I got to hear from you share so personally about the struggles of your community a lot of the time that that part of my brain kind of clicked on and was like, oh, of course, like, you know, how, how could it be any different? So how long have you been a paramedic? Well, today is actually my six year anniversary oh, of snap. when I became... I know you're my first and it's a big day. <laughs> this is a big day. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So six years ago, I, um, I completed my paramedic. I, I passed the test and got my, got my, uh, my sterile life. So, and it was kind of 
you know, symbolic because it's on 9-11 and that was a really big reason for me to do that as well. Um, I'm all about symbolism <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and having a good story. So yeah, for sure. I didn't even, um, I didn't even, I didn't put that together either. Yeah. So we're recording this on 9-11. I don't know when you're hearing it. Um, but that makes a lot of sense. I was going to ask, what are some of the reasons that you got into this field? And when you got into being a paramedic six years ago, did you imagine that you were going to go back to school to be a therapist? No. So, I mean, I didn't even know I was going to be a paramedic. I got my undergrad in journalism. Um, and it all kind of ties into September 11th because I just remember watching the newscasters and wanting to be a part of that, wanting to be the voice that people turn to. Well, when life got in the way, I ended up somehow going to, you know, getting into EMS and realizing again, I wanted to be one of the helpers. I wanted to be the, the person that people turn to. Um, and so I kind of listened to my best friend up in Virginia and she was like, you need to do this. And I was like, you're right. And I put it off and eventually I kind of took the leap after COVID. We lost a bunch of people, um, to suicide and mental illness and their own struggles. And I was just like, if not now, when, like, mm -hmm. I need to do this. So that's kind of what drove me to get into, into social work and mental health. Okay. So you start this theme all along is, you know, wanting to be there for people who are in need of help. And it kind of just kept going from there before we logged on, uh, was talking a little bit to Ashley about, you know, what we would chat about today. And I knew it would be something centered in first responders and mental health, because that's what she does. And again, she talks so openly about that and the need for it. Um, and you were telling me that just recently your team lost, um, a fellow paramedic to suicide. <clears throat> yeah. Um, it was probably almost a month ago. Um, one of our brand new, uh, medics, he had just come to us a few months ago from another location. Um, we found out that he ended his life and it was really hard. You know, not a lot of us knew a whole lot about him because he was still new, but it hit us all, um, the same way it usually does. I mean, it's never, it's never easy, right? Like it's always, it always hurts. We always kind of look back and reflect on our interactions and, and question whether or not we could have done anything or, or seen the signs. Um, but I did get to a point where I was talking to some of my close friends and I'm like, you know, I don't think we could have seen the signs. You know, when someone is at that point, they're already at that point. But what we can do is work towards helping people not reach that point. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we hear the word resilience and we all kind of shrug it off, at least in my field, because they, they, it's one of those buzzwords that people, you know, throw around like, oh, so we just need resiliency matters. Yeah. Yeah. So we shrug it off. But, but the fact is, is it's, it's true. Resiliency matters. We have to take care of ourselves, focus on who we are and what we need so that we can, and we do have the, the capacity to help everyone else. And I'm just, you know, people can beat themselves up all day long about like, oh, I should have known, like, 
hindsight's 2020 and I'm, you, you sure. just, you can't do that. All we can do is try to help the next person. Mm -hmm. You said something to indicate this has happened before you've been in this job for six years. How often does this happen? I don't know the statistics, but I know for me, I've, I've known of, or, or been friends with, um, a solid handful of people. Um, I know in the very first year of COVID, like within the first six months, we lost, um, a medic, a firefighter and a law enforcement officer within like three months of each other. Oh my goodness. And it's just, and that was even before all of the, the isolating and the lifestyle changes that came with the pandemic, you know? So it's, it is truly an epidemic and people don't know because it's not talked about. Sure. Yeah. And um, again, I don't know exactly when this is going to air, but we're also in <clears throat> suicide prevention month. And I know one of the things that I think matters so much is how we talk about it, because being in a place of considering ending your life is one that's incredibly painful and very isolating. And so I often think of it as like, um, you know, isolation breeds more sadness and loneliness and shame. And so the more that we can, like you're saying, intervene sooner and have more conversations about it, there's a way in which it normalizes and it doesn't feel like it's something that has to be carried, you know, um, by the person themselves. What do you think are the things that make first responders? And well, let's back up a little bit for anybody who's questioning who falls in the realm of first responders. So first responders are law enforcement officers, um, firefighters, and um, EMS, emergency medical services. So that's EMTs, um, AEMTs or IEMTs, whichever your state recognizes, and then paramedics. Um, all the people that come in the big flashy sirens and lights, those are, those are your first responders. That's a great way to remember it. Like when you're explaining it to a child, <laughs> which is how I prefer yeah. anything. If they're flashing lights, there's a, there's a first responder. Um, and then this isn't to minimize the work that people do that are, I know even during COVID there was, you know, some debate around like who are people on the front line, so to speak, and how that looks different when you're a nurse or even when you're a mm -hmm. therapist and all this. So it's not to minimize it. We're just, you know, making sure. sure that everyone is understanding what we're talking about specifically here. What do you think are some of the vulnerabilities that are faced by this group when it comes to mental health, depression, suicidal thinking that people don't really, even like myself, like I was saying, hearing you talk about it, it was like, oh, I had to hear you talk about it for it to occur that, sure. yeah, this group needs special help and attention. What are some of those things that people don't really consider or think about? You know, every day. You know, depending on what state and what organization and agency you work for, you can either work a 24-hour shift or a 12-hour shift. Um, we have to go at the at the drop of a, an alarm, right? You know, we get a call, 911 gets a call, and they send us. We don't. We go from zero to 100, and there's no real time to wind down mm -hmm. um, after a call because then there's another call and another call and another call. And we're constantly going. Um, we're constantly dealing with this influx. You don't know what you're going to roll into. 
You don't know what situation you're going to see. Um, you get an idea of what you're going to based on the dispatch. But, but truthfully, I would say 50% of our dispatches are not related to what call we go to. So you, you truly don't know what the, what the environment's going to be. And then to, to take away that, that debriefing and that downtime to kind of regroup and recenter yourself and get your head right, that's gone. So, you know, gone are the days where you would get to like sit in the station and kind of talk with your friends and stuff. We're always in that ambulance. We're always going. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're taught to compartmentalize what we see and what we do so that we don't bring our stuff, our personal stuff into the job, which is fine, but we also don't have that chance or the knowledge or the, the training to decompartmentalize, right? And to go back to all the stuff that we've put in these little boxes to address because sure. then it just start, it starts building up. Mm -hmm. So people, you know, people I work with all the time, they're like, oh, I can handle it. It's just my, it's my job. It's, I, it's fine. It doesn't really affect me that much. If it does, I know what I need to do. But truthfully, it's not the situation that is really affecting us. It's the culmination of thing after day, after day, after day of all of the stuff on top of all of our stuff at home mm -hmm. that we aren't really addressing either. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about it from the perspective of being a trauma therapist and the way that our brains work and things like that. So compartmentalization is adaptive when we need it to be. So mm -hmm. if we were going into, you know, any situation that was very distressing, hard to watch, tragic, all of these things. And again, just for people to keep this in mind. So your job is responding to emergencies. It's always, it, I mean, it's generally not good. Like there aren't many calls I imagine that you get called for. Where it's like, oh, this was, you know, fun story or saved a cat from a tree. Like it, that's not happening. So you're, you're being called to be the person to help when there is a traumatic thing happening. And so just that alone, right? So if your brain didn't have the ability to kind of like tuck feelings away, you would never be able to do the job. Your team would never be able to do the job. It would be really hard for people to get help. Um, and I do think that there is something to, you said that sometimes people say things like, it's my job, I just do it. I do think for every job, there is a certain kind of person that is able to do that, right? So mm -hmm. just like, for myself and the type of therapy that I do, there are people who say to me, I don't know how you do what you do. There are certain people who can, this skill is accessible. And sometimes when it's not that, that's, that might not be the case for everybody all of the time. And so it's helpful, <clears throat> but, um, you know, like you said, when there's never time to unpack that the like residue of that builds up, builds up, builds up, builds up. And at some point that energy has to go somewhere. It's either mm -hmm. going to be external or internal. And so that can look like, you know, aggression with others. It could look like drinking. It could look like self-harm. It could look like suicidal thoughts. All of these things are generally ways to regulate that stuff coming up or the feeling. So it might not necessarily be, oh, I'm thinking about that call I went on today. It might just be, I'm always on edge and I can't figure out how to relax. And so mm -hmm. I'm glad that you pointed that out because I think that's something that a lot of people don't necessarily think of, of like the compound 
uh, I was going to say compound interest because student loans are on my mind, but the compound, <laughs> the compound effects of not giving some air to those pieces that you pack away a lot. Sure. I mean, we live in a, we live in a constant state of fight or flight, right? So our, we're, we're, we're trained for survival. Hey, tea talkers did you know that 60% of home buyers reported that their mental health and close relationships were impacted during the home buying process? I'm not surprised. Purchasing a new home can feel incredibly stressful and overwhelming, especially in today's market. When going through the home buying process, you need a realtor that you know will have your back. That's where Jackie Walther of Square Deal Real Estate comes in. Jackie is a realtor that goes to bat for her clients and seems to know at least two of anybody that you could possibly need to help you alongside the process of buying your new home. And I say all of this from lived experience. Jackie sold me my current house. She has sold to my family, friends, staff, and even helped me to get into the first DBT of South Jersey location in Voorhees. So if you're in the South Jersey area and looking for a new place or maybe getting ready to sell, you will not regret having Jackie on your side. You can find Jackie on her website at www.squaredeal.kw.com. Okay, so I've said this before, and I'm here to say it again. As an entrepreneur, a mom, one of the best decisions that I've made for my mental health, honestly, was to hire a house cleaner. Parenting itself, let alone running businesses, forces you to value your time really above anything else. And that's where Amanda comes in. Amanda Sousa and her excellent team come and they work their magic in my home every few weeks, and I can't imagine going back to not having her. Not only do they professionally clean my family's home, with a toddler and two dogs, by the way, but they also leave the space feeling bright and refreshed. Plus, knowing Amanda is a part of my support team allows me to just relax and focus on the things that I want to prioritize, like my family and my businesses. If managing work, parenting, or really anything just feels overwhelming to you, don't wait. Hire support now. It's a step in the right direction, and I can personally recommend Amanda's team for excellent service and really reasonable rates. She offers deep cleaning as well, so even if you just want to get the house cleaned every now and then to help yourself out, I think that's a great place to start. So if you're in the South Jersey area, contact Amanda. You can find her at her website, apscleaning.services, for a free quote. You can also find her on Instagram at APS Cleaning Services. I promise it's a call that your future self will thank you for. We're trained to protect and we're just, we're not doing that for ourselves. Mm -hmm. You talked about how resilience is kind of like, I agree. It's like, um, you know, when people talk about diversity in the workplace, that doesn't mean it's not important, mm -hmm. but it's just like, what does that actually mean? What does it actually mean here? Because if the words are not backed up with action, then they do kind of just become like an eye roll at work. Okay, mm -hmm. we got to talk about resiliency. We got to talk about self-care. That's another one. We have to talk oh, about yep. everyone's taking care of themselves. And there's ways in which people just kind of eye roll. And I think that happens because a lot of the time there's not sufficient um, like action to back that up. Why do you think resiliency has kind of landed in the place that it has in your field? Uh, just as you said, like words and actions, um, take care of yourself, but get penalized when you need to take a, a mental health day, mm. you know, that kind of thing. Um, we're so busy that if we need to go out of service, what we say, if we like go out of service for a few minutes to kind of regroup and like get something to eat, 
we're just kind of like, oh, you're letting your team down if you do that. Mm. But honestly, like, we don't get lunch breaks. Mm -hmm. It's like the very little things like that. Like, most people, nurses are also like, they don't get lunch breaks. And people kind of overlook those little things that really matter. And honestly, I was one of those people that I, you know, I heard, I've always heard resiliency. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I hate this. Like, it's just one of those things because I also wasn't, I was talking the talk, but I wasn't walking the walk. Mm -hmm. You know, I was told several months ago by someone, you know, you can't expect your clients to do something if you're not willing to do it as well. Preach. I know, like words of wisdom. And so I've really taken that and, and tried to live it so that when I talk to people close to me, maybe it'll change them a little bit. Maybe it'll like spark something in their brain. Like, oh yeah, maybe I should. Like, I know that I'm okay and I know that I do a good job, but maybe I should take an hour for myself. So. Yeah, I'm thinking about how um, when you're the one, so we're going to like kind of switch gears into being the one that's trying to help in this situation, you start feeling kind of like the squeaky wheel. I remember Mm -hmm. talking to you in Spain about this. Like, it just feels like you're yelling into a black hole because it feels like you're trying to solve a problem that's so big and not just like for you or your organization, it's like, it's systemic, it's cultural. Mm -hmm. It's all of these things, right? Like not getting a break, not not building in the amount of help that matches the amount of harm that gets caused on the day-to-day from the job. So I'm wondering for you, let's start with like you personally, what if some of those shifts look like to back it up and to practice what you preach? Um, I have been, I talk about therapy all the time, not doing therapy, but like me actually having my own therapist and how much it has done for me. And in my little clique of people that I spend time with the most, we have all started, like, I've seen it. Like they're sending me texts like, Hey, can I get a web? Can I get a referral? Can you, I think I should talk to someone. I'm like, yes, here, like here. And so like just seeing the little trickle down effects, because as I said, in Spain, it did feel so overwhelming that I was fighting this huge hospital organization and I'm just me like I'm just one person and instead of taking on that huge battle toning it down because baby steps are still forward progress Mm -hmm. yeah it's still forward movement so if I can just start with my little inner circle and just let it let it fade out a little bit um you know, I talk about therapy all the time. I talk about, you know, taking a day where you're just with you. I'm trying really hard to get back in the swing of like working out because that's really good to have that energy go somewhere else. Um, I've sort of stopped drinking. Not that I drink a lot, but drinking is a huge thing within first responders. Like that is how they typically cope. Yeah. I mean, and it's an easy way to, we were just, I was just talking about this on an episode that came out, um, recently about, you know, like smoking weed and and drinking mm -hmm. wine and stuff. It's a very easy way to just relax. And so again, if I'm not necessarily thinking, 
oh, I've had a hard day because I saw X, Y, and Z at work today, but more just like my, I'm feeling the effects of being a person whose nervous system mm-hmm. is always on. I'm keyed up. I'm, um, I'm irritable. I'm short. And then I have a sip of wine or I smoke. And then that just, that meet that targets the brain and the body immediately, but it doesn't in a way where it doesn't, um, it doesn't do the unpacking. It just kind of smooths it over. And so you've noticed a difference in that as well. Yeah. I think, you know, at least for me personally, I was, you know, equating drinking to bad day Mm. and instead of drinking to, you know, socialize and just go out and enjoy my day. Like that was having a drink, having a beer was a solution. And Mm -hmm. that's not what I wanted to live. Like I didn't want to do that anymore. I, I wanted to change how that was wired in my brain a little bit. Um, especially when almost all your, like almost all your days are bad days or like not bad, but right. stressful. So it's like, Oh, right. got through the day better reward myself. And it's like, you're right. I like how you said, when you work out, finding a place for that energy or that whatever it is that's stuck inside to be able to move somewhere, because that's what has to happen. It has to mm-hmm. transition out of you. But yeah, I think it's really easy, especially like pandemic times. It was like, oh, well, we got oh through the gosh. day. Might as well have some wine. We survived the pandemic today. Cool. <laughs> right. Yep. Another day. Like let's reward ourselves. Yeah. So what do you feel like I'm, I was so glad to hear you say that because I remember you talking and it, it does feel like, oh God, like you can get really beat down by the idea of working in a place or with an organization that's very high burnout and feeling like oh, there's nothing I can do because the system, like we're trying to target the top of the system, which makes sense because in theory, if we could crack that, then everything, you know, would kind of like crumble down in those ways when it comes to burnout. Um, and that's really, really hard to do. And I think the hard piece that people need to pay attention to is that when we're focusing on the big part of it only, it's really easy to just tap out and be like, well, why do I even try? Why care? Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of get sucked into the, the problems that you're trying to solve. And so you started thinking smaller with yourself and how cool, because you started just talking about therapy and now you have people ask, like, that's a huge impact. Right. But Absolutely. what are some things that you think, like, let's say somebody listens to this, who's in a position of power to make some changes in, in these roles for their team. What are some things that you feel are realistic that could change sooner than later when it comes to first responders work and building resiliency? I think for, I, for my agency, I've, I've talked a lot about this and it's, I think figuring out a way to incorporate anywhere from like three to five mental health days a year where you don't get penalized for calling out. Mm. And now I understand there's that, that level of um, taking advantage. People are going to want to take advantage and take all five days. Obviously there's got to be some rules to that, but I think that starting there and like giving us a a freebie, right? Mm -hmm. You have three days you can use this year. If you just need a day, you take, do with them what what you will, but there's no penalty. We're not going to have a conversation. You're not going to get fired. Everyone just needs to, to, have a day to just decompress. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think figuring out a way to incorporate some kind of a meal break. It doesn't have to be a 30 minute or an hour meal break, but just saying, Hey, 
do you need to take some time to go get some, get yeah. some food? Like go we've do. got go. you, we've got you. Yeah. Right. We've got this. Right. Yeah. Right. And we, and, and within my agency, we do a pretty good job of looking out for each other. Like if we don't get put out of service to get food, that's fine. But I know I can call up one of my friends that are working with me and be, Hey, my partner and I are trying to grab a bite to eat. Can you cover my, my area for just a few minutes so that we can at least get the food. We can eat it while we're driving. Sure. <laughs> so, I mean, we do a good job, but I think little things like that are really, really important. I feel like I love the idea of mental health days um, because it's a direct, like we're paying attention to this. And I feel like something that wouldn't cost anything, like it wouldn't cost more days or anything like that, but that people could change is just changing the response when people do have to call out. Like, it's so funny. I've been working for myself for five years and I feel like, well, technically even a little bit more than that, but I feel like only recently, like the past few years, I stopped feeling guilty when I was sick and yeah. I work for myself. Like that mentality really stuck with me. Like feeling really afraid to call out when you're sick. Um, and you know, it's so funny. I was recently, um, reading through different, um, ethical principles for different bodies of counseling. And one of them said something like, basically I will minimize, you know, being away, which I get is like, you, you know, you have to pay attention to your client. You have to take care of their needs and you can't just like leave on a dime, but it was worded as something like, I'm going to minimize like sick days, vacate. I was like, minimize sick days. Yeah. I would love to minimize sick days. I would love to not be sick. That would be really awesome. Mm -hmm. But I feel like just the tone that, um, you know, we have on calling out and I get it because in these jobs, when you call out, it falls on somebody else. And at the same time, if there is a true inherent team culture, that's not going to matter because it's like, we've got you when you're out. And I know that mm -hmm. you're going to have me when I'm out. And so just giving people permission to use the time they have, this comes up with teachers too. Like my poor oh, teacher yeah. friends, oh my God, who like have a certain amount of days off and are like terrified to ask for off because, and I'm like, how is this a thing? But it's just like the culture and the response around mm -hmm. that, that, that communicates. If you call out, you're doing something wrong, which means which I'm also communicating. If you take care of yourself, you're doing something wrong. So of right. course, when I come to the next meeting and I talk about resiliency, you're going to roll your eyes at me because if I call out when I'm sick, I'm going to get some kind of look about that. And that's not okay. So even just starting there, like, and I feel like that's something that can even start on the ground with you and your team. Mm -hmm. If that hasn't already, it sounds like you have some of that going on by, Hey, cover this. So we can at least grab our lunch and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when, like, as far as calling out, I think a lot of that started to shift a little bit with COVID because if we got COVID in the beginning, we were automatically off work for two weeks mm -hmm. and, and that messed up a lot of things because it went through a wave, right? Like, so if I, when I got COVID, so did five other people, <laughs> right? So that's three ambulances that weren't able to be up and running for two weeks. Like that was devastating. Mm -hmm. So then you would start to have people that would come in and still feel like they would be sick, but they would come in anyway. And we're like, no, like stop. Well, and there were like, so many mixed messages around that time too. Like 
okay, right now you can't come, but you need to come and wear a mask, but it's okay. If you don't have a mask that you already wore, like there were all these confusing yeah. messages. And mm-hmm. again, like, I think it goes back to you're in this job where people really need you and you're still really important. And so how do we communicate that, that kind of value? Mm-hmm. I want to end on a, um, what I think is a funny question, but it's really necessary. What are the people on the, <laughs> on the, um, I'm getting help and need to pay attention to like, what do you want to tell your customers that they need to pay attention to sometimes? Like if I'm calling the ambulance, if I'm calling the police, like if I need help, what are some things that you want us to know? That we're people too. And a lot of these people, a lot of people call for things that we shrug off as not an emergency, right? Like a stub toe to us is like, whatever. But I do recognize, and we do recognize that that is an emergency to them. Mm-hmm. Be nice to us. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have to tell grown people, especially to be nice, mm-hmm. but be nice. It's like the little things. Don't tell me that I'm a fucking asshole because I'm like asking you if you want to go to the hospital. I have to. Yeah. I have to. That's my job. People call 911 just to get checked out or to go to the hospital. I have to ask that. Just be nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Not surprising. <laughs> Being kind goes a long way, not just, you know, in the, in the sense of be kind to your neighbors, but like in the sense of mental health, it really does go a long way because the person's already dealing with, you know, a hundred other things that you don't know about on the way to your call or what their next call is. Like, you don't know what they've come from, what they've endured, what, what they've got going on. And so you just showing up and like being patient with them really, really goes a long way instead instead of adding to it. So I hope the people that were supposed to hear that heard that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tell us, um, tell us one thing that you haven't talked about already that you're really excited about in terms of like this path of self-care and resilience building that you're doing right now. So you've talked about Uh, like eating and exercise and and those like common things, but like, is there anything else that you're digging into where you're like, this is cool. And this is different. Like I'm being really intentional about it. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to work really hard on my own self-esteem. You know, um, I actually had boudoir photos done a couple months ago and that was not me. I'm not the girly girl. I'm not the person that would go do that, but I did. And it was probably one of the best experiences of my entire life. And I've never actually wanted to show pictures of myself. And I was like, Ooh, look at this. So I freaking love that. Um, going to do a whole other episode on the importance of getting hot photos of yourself taken for your self-esteem and confidence. Cause I'm a firm believer that this is a thing. And that is so freaking cool. I'm so glad to hear that you did that. And it's like such a it's not anything that you need to do. It's a, I am going to invest this in myself and I'm going to feel good about myself. So I love it. And I didn't so do it for anyone else. Yeah. Like that was, a lot of people do it for like their significant others. Yeah. I just did it for me. Yeah. So I, I love that. I hope you have those pictures like in your locker and you're like high-fiving yourself when you're like checking out at work and you're like, yeah, girl, you got this. <laughs> I, I may have one or two hanging up in my bedroom. I love, duh, as you should, as you should. Okay. All right. Tell people where they can find you if they want to learn more about you. Um, If you want to follow me on Facebook and Instagram, you can search me. It's uh, mental health medic. Um, I just changed my handle so that it was more, hmm, 
personal. Um, but yeah, and then I have a website that I'll be working on. So that'll be on the Instagram as it is developed. So Cool. Well, thanks so much for coming and sharing your story and, and talking to us about this today. I know that there are going to be things that people pull out not just for the world of first responders, but just like the importance of taking care of self and and the importance of really backing up resiliency and not letting it be an eye roll in your life. If this episode is something that resonates with you, or if you know someone else that needs to hear it, please send it to them. As always, please continue to follow the show and give us a great review. Thanks so much for listening and take good care. right. That's today's episode, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Tea Talk. I hope that your cup of tea is full today and that you were able to pull something out of this for yourself. If you know someone that needs to hear this episode, please send it their way. And let me know what you're thinking by sending me a message on Instagram. I love hearing from you all. And make sure to follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And if you are loving what you're hearing, please leave me a review and a rating. It would mean so much. All right, friends, take good care and I will see you next time.